Hi everyone and welcome to Exploring Kodowari. I'm Yanka and the guest for this episode is our good friend and amazing violinist Emre Engin. Emre is the recipient of many awards and he's an active soloist in both the US and Turkey. Although we both come from Turkey, we did not actually meet officially and become friends until meeting at Stony Brook University in New York, where he and I are both completing doctorate degrees in music. In the episode, we talked about his music career, as well as his experience living in Turkey, the UK and the US. In the US, he was a student of the famous violinist Pinkus Zuckerman and his assistant Petinka Kopek, and had a lot of interesting things to say about that style of teaching. In addition, Emre had some interesting insights into how he deals with nerves while performing. This is especially difficult as a soloist, who's under the spotlight at the front of the orchestra and has to play some of the most difficult music in the violin repertoire. Okay, that's it for now. If you enjoy our podcast or articles on our website, we hope you'll consider supporting us with a small monthly donation. Links for that are in the episode notes. Thanks for listening. Hope you're having a good week and enjoy the episode. Tamam. Emre, bizim podcastimize hoş geldiniz. Hoş bulduk Luke. Çoğul falan. Hoş geldin. I'm overpowered by Turkish people today. Yay. All right, so uh, let's just start. I've already put an intro here. I will have already put an intro to introduce you briefly, but can you say how you got into music? Like, Okay. Um, yeah, know. thanks guys for having me here. I'm very excited. Um, so I got into music uh, in Turkey, actually. I got really jealous of my sister going to uh, going on a painting course. Um, and I was like, you know, I was just putting pressure on my family and my parents like, oh, just I want to go to some sort of like, you know, leisure activity. And, and they were like, oh, well, what about like sports? And I'm really not a sport guy like i'm still not and i wasn't at the time so there was only music left um yeah and i went to this choir in the city um and i started singing in the choir and the the, the conductor realized that i didn't have a very pleasant voice so <laughs> she she was like oh well you know maybe you should play an instrument and then she uh directed my parents uh and me myself to the entrance auditions uh, of the conservatory in the city Which uh, city was that bursa in turkey okay. um and then yeah i just auditioned and you know um i got into you know this wonderful world and i started playing the violin um i mean actually as a matter of fact i didn't choose violin violin chose me no, i'm joking uh, <laughs> like harry potter's wand <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so it was um yeah like i had two options um in the application form like either piano or violin and i mean just i i mean i don't know the reason why i put it there because i That was, those are the two, only two instruments I had known at the time. <laughs> uh, so they were like, they looked at my hands and my you know mouth shape and they decided I should be a violinist. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't really So you didn't have the mouth shape for a wind instrument, but you do have big hands. Big hands, yeah. yeah. yeah but um, I mean, have you seen my teeth? <laughs> <laughs> so they're not great. Um, so. Yeah, but a lot of brass players, when they have like spacing between their front teeth or anything like that, actually play better because the air like sneaks through or something. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. But I, I think your they... hands are still bi better, bigger for violin than your yeah. teeth are better for trumpet. Oh, okay. I don't know what that means. Actually, what <laughs> happened, so there was this, so there are two sections of this education, conservatory education. The first part is part-time. So you only go there to get your lessons and, you know, solfege lessons and violin lessons. And after two years, uh, you audition for just, just to be like a full-time student there. So at that audition, like at that point, I had actually played the violin for two years already. So uh, they were like, oh, well, you know, are you okay with 
you know, continuing as a violinist. I'm like, I don't know. Um, and then they were like, oh, let's look at your hands and like a mouth shape again. And my violin teacher was not happy with me. Um, oh and then... I like you're a barn animal. Like, let's look at your mouth. <laughs> yeah, there. Get your yeah, mouth exactly. like open up. Like, no, no. And then the horn teacher... Um, she, he was also a player at the uh, city orchestra. Uh, he was like, "Oh well, I can take him. He could, you know, he could be a good horn oh player." Goodness. And at that point, there was this other teacher uh, who saved my life. No, I'm joking. Like, I mean, yeah. So thanks to him, I'm playing the violin, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I was. You actually, mean instead of the horn? Instead of the horn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, at the time, I I didn't know what horn like that. What kind of an instrument it was? I just yeah didn't want to play that. <laughs> that was the only thing I knew. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Actually, yeah, they That's thought fun. I could be a good candidate for horn player. I, mean, I, I can know. see you as a horn player yeah. for some weird reason. You would make a good horn player. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Brass players are like a different breed, I think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was it like generally growing up in Turkey, considering you can compare and contrast it to you lived in London? Or did you grow up there a little bit? Or did you just go to college there? I just went to college there. Okay. Yeah. I I moved to the UK when I was seventeen, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's young enough though to like. That's why you have a slight British accent to your English. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. Um, like Turkey instead like of Turkey. 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 Like a New York accent. <laughs> yeah, Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. How about Turkey? Long Island accent. Turkey. Long Island. Turkey, Turkey, yeah, Turker, no, Turkier, 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 R is at the end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, how was it like growing up in Turkey? Uh, well, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't really realize many things, and you know, comparing to I don't know those times to now, it was different. It was like Turkey wasn't um, as I think it was a little more pleasant to live in mm-hmm. i think i think everywhere it was more pleasant yeah, yeah. or i don't By know if it's 2020 at least yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's like the fact that we were like i don't know little kids and we didn't know what was going on around I us but i think yeah. political situation was way better uh, it was we true. were less oppressed well we had a lot of, to anyone but a lot of like um coup, coups and stuff like sexual coups in, in turkey and like my our parents went through that process yeah that's true and like politically it was turkey has a really unique version or history with military, military coups yeah. Yeah. balancing out this the government um more it's like if that happened in the u.s that would be like the yeah. one time it ever happened mm-hmm. yeah who knew who like <clears throat> although it feels like we're as close to something like that happening as ever yeah. before <laughs> but it happened like how many times since 1923 in turkey yeah probably like how many five do we have well Four? we I had think it's five. we had two uh like, successful ones i think and then 81, we had a, and then we yeah and then we had like um, a re- recent attempt that wasn't successful, but in between we had like a lot of interventions by the military. I mean, not like active interventions, but like yeah. they were, um, you know, they. We, I mean, it was it was obvious that military was a very uh, you know empowered uh, factor in the politics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was it was definitely. I felt like it was more pleasant to live in, mm-hmm. but I I don't. Like, I don't think it's a fair comparison. Like, because, I, again, like, I was a little kid. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, I can make, I think, a fair comparison between the US and the UK. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when I, when I the first the first month I moved to the UK, actually, I was just, just like, so surprised. Everything. Yeah, like, what I was that actually, like when you first got oh, there? Well, yeah, it's, 
<laughs> it wasn't. No, I actually really wanted to move to the UK. I really, growing up, like that was one of my favorite uh, countries and cities, London, obviously, in the world. And not just, I don't know, touristic point of view but you know i grew up watching harry potter so that was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's I like, true i mean when we yeah. me and yanka went to london last year and then we went to like king's cross station my little kid brain was like <gasps> oh my god i was almost gonna run into the wall kind of thing see what happens <laughs> yeah that's actually not the real wall right yeah no i know yeah there was another like well they have a yeah like a tourist, like a tourist thing, wall yeah. location for that, like that outside that was lame that was yeah, lame yeah true. i remember yeah. there's so much line to take pictures but anyway yeah, yeah. no yeah i i really <laughs> wanted to go like london was my like just city that i really wanted to go to at the time and then i was so happy that i moved to the uk um yeah i think to to compare like because it was our first time it, like experiencing you know, it like you know studying alone abroad and like without my family so and you know i many things that happened to me for the first time happened in the uk mm-hmm. like my first experience in you know anything you can possibly imagine um so you know that has its i guess more special it's imprinted place. on your memory mm-hmm. in like yes, a special exactly. way yes yeah. exactly so when i moved when i moved to the us actually when i had to move to the us um i was yeah, like, you know, I was a little shocked. Um, I don't want to say in a bad way, but it's, it was completely very different. I, I yeah, I was, um, it was difficult to yeah, adjust. To. Oh, you had, yeah, that's a good question. What is, what is that? Why did you have to move to the US, you think? Why did I have to move? Yeah, well, um, I had a better opportunity in uh, in the US. Um, do you want me to go in detail more? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I had, just finished my undergraduate studies at Royal College of Music London, and um, like y- the about like a year before I um, before the end of the uh, year, um, I met the assistant um, of Pinkus Zuckerman, Meister Pinkus Zuckerman, um, and then yeah, I just made contacts with with her, and then she. Yeah, she invited me to 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 come to the U.S. and audition. Yeah. Or for for the people that don't know who Pinkus Zuckerman is, he's like the how how can you even define him? Like try to like he's his the uh, master of the yeah, teachers, of those, basically. Yeah. Like Dumbledore. Right. He uh, <laughs> we're stick like to Harry Potter. I definitely don't see him as Dumbledore. Yeah. But like I don't know. Alternative to London. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an incredible teacher. And yeah. Emre got into a studio and it's very selective. And yeah, yeah. it's a huge So huge you deal. was that yeah. MSM? Or? MSM mm-hmm. Manhattan School of Music. Uh-huh. Yeah, I started doing my masters there. Um well, yeah, I love the program. I love the school, obviously. But yeah, again, like living in New York, it was like, oh, yeah, I was, I'm not sure. It's not so crowded. It's so dirty. It's so loud. And it's like Upper West Side, like, you know, that sound of subway and like, like I don't know, rails and friction of rails. And like everything was just yeah. sort of disturbing me. I don't know. I, I had a bit of a hard time adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's partially the fact that I, I loved London a little too much mm-hmm. and like you know you i don't got know, attached I'm, to london yeah like new I, york wasn't as good as london yeah mm-hmm. like and i saw I, I think i might sound a little i don't know spoiled or like i don't know like a difficult kid or something but i actually you know new york or london like great cities but um i think to live in i still prefer london um it's more livable i guess and it's <laughs> a little more civilized i would say like um uh it's I don't know, Easy people are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I mean, London. Well, New York is. Um, oh, I, I, I totally agree with you. I was yeah, kidding. yeah. I love New York. I mean, you know, I love. I, 
I enjoyed going to New York Philharmonic concerts and Metropolitan Opera my first time ever, like watching many operas. Um, it was at, at the Met Opera and I love that opera. I actually love it more than Covent Garden. Um, and Broadway shows, oh my God, what a, what a, you know, amazing, what an amazing opportunity for a musician, for an, any, any kind yeah. of artist really. Um, and I think when I moved to the, when I moved to the, the, the US, New York, like financially I was at a better situation. So, I think I was more able to enjoy what city was offering me. Like, you know, going to the concerts, operas and everything in London and those things were so expensive that there was like no student discount. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't really, you, know, you would have to like save a lot of money to go to uh, London Philharmonic concert or Covent Garden opera uh, performance. So yeah, those things, like I was so happy, like I started actually like growing as an artist, growing as a person. Um, yeah, so you were also at the age to do that too, right? Maybe when yeah. You're Seventeen is very different than twenty-two or yeah. whatever it was when you came here. Exactly. What was it? Twenty-two. I was twenty-two. Yeah, actually, yeah, exactly twenty-two. I just did some basic calculations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you before the podcast. I'm not clever. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious to ask Yanka and Emre, like, what is your favorite thing about Turkish culture? I mean, obviously, you could badmouth any culture, like from anywhere in the world with their bad things but you know what's just what's the what's your favorite aspect of turkish culture especially when comparing to like you you know you're both living mm -hmm. here it's a difficult question what's my favorite thing about the turkish culture should i go first i have yeah. something on my mind yeah. i mean i don't want to say by any means like it's completely different here but i think we have very strong like family ties like we're just very very like big families you know what i mean like, like not just the immediate family but like we're so close with our like extended family. there's that element too that um kids don't really move out of the house until they're like starting their own family yes exactly whereas right. here we're you very... move out by college maybe you yeah. come back during college and mm -hmm. i mean it's after college it's assumed you'll be you'll be leaving the nest yeah it's unbelievable that there's this concept of like you owe money to your parents to be staying in the apartment like you just have that obligation feeling inside of you not that you actually have to but that's like an absolutely like ridiculous thing in my culture for instance like you, the mom is gonna nurture you until you know the moment you leave from the door it can be like when you're 50 or it can be you know 20 like it doesn't matter there are plenty matter. of people here that live at home until you know I mean, that's true but here it 30 is 40 but by the time weird. you're approaching 30 it's considered weird here yeah yeah in turkey i don't think so really no, it's, completely so. Normal. it's completely normal <laughs> yeah i mean we have yeah. very close family ties i think i really like that yeah about yeah. our culture yeah how about you yeah i agree with you so actually, actually i was going to say that if you first but um <laughs> always uh, go first yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> um yeah i agree with that and um i think even like 40 50 like if you're not married and if like if you still live with your parents it's okay in the society in turkey like yeah. no one is gonna i mean you know the worst thing they, they might just say oh they're a little bit like too the yeah <laughs> i don't know how to explain that yeah me neither let's it's like yeah don't explain um, i have no idea feel free to curse in turkish too well you know because the algorithms won't figure out if, if we're explicit oh. or not in a different language. <laughs> yeah. So I I think, yeah, family ties, definitely. I don't know if it's about culture, but did you say about Turkish culture or Turk Turkey in general? Any, yeah, in general is fine too. I mean, there are plenty of just beautiful things, um, mm -hmm. places to go there, historical places, mm. you know. Yeah. We'll Actually, I have one more. Yeah, like, go for it. I was just thinking, people are very, for better or worse, People are very individualistic here, which is really nice. But then that can come off 
come across as like selfish at times. We're a little different, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, the, the difference that. in reaction between um, COVID and how America yeah, especially is, 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 is somehow politicizing it. You know, it's like a political statement if you have a mask on or not, right? Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, um, it's, it's, it's hard to compare that. But I know what you mean. I mean, there's a value in individualism and in group solidarity. Um, yeah, like we want to protect our elderly, for instance. Like everybody wants mm -hmm. to you know, unify and then comply for that reason. Like not to just protect themselves. Uh, inherently like an American thing or just more of like a, as a culture evolves in technology, like kind of, like we always joke that Turkey feels like it. it's like 15 years behind the culture of America, you know? Yeah. Like in terms of- I mean, you, um, you can make people get offended with that sentence, by the way. <laughs> Be well, very careful. Well, I'll I'll mean it in terms of like cultural rules of like, can you live together before you're married? Or you said like smoking only became a known dangerous thing in like the 90s. That's true. Where it was more like the late mid 70s to 80s in America. So mm -hmm. I think it um, things just because there's so much bleed from American culture to, through Hollywood and stuff to to all other world cultures that 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 stuff takes time to bleed out and kind of whatever i guess so yeah no i didn't mean it as an insult it's just an oh, i'm not offended i'm just saying we're very also <laughs> is this going to become a fight episode let's no, do no, it no. i mean what's the word we're also very proud so like watch that what you're is true saying. that is true <laughs> <You know? laughs> like we can absolutely shit talk about our culture but when someone else does that that's a problem mm -hmm. you cannot what's say the phrase that? yanko always like, says if, if you're you? stepping on her pride she goes i'll slice you Oh, do I say that? Yeah, you say that. Don't go there. It's so funny, actually. I don't. Know, I don't want to go into politics so much, but you know, our lovely, you know, Tayyip um, Erdogan, president. President. Yes. So, um, like, you know, I personally don't um, support him, and if someone like talks, you know, really badly about that president uh, of ours, like, you know, you're fine with it. But if someone in the US or someone in Germany, it feels different. It feels different. We just like, we just become really, pro become really protective. I never so. protect that guy. Sorry. I'm going no, to be well, very honest. No, well, me neither. But like, everybody can like, talk shit about so, it. For certain things that are, I don't know. It's funny. Anyways, it's, it's going to be understood in a different <laughs> way, I guess. But I'm really not a supporter of him. Um, but yeah, for example, like if like Merkel says something, you know, annoying and something like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> not nice about him. And I would just go like, oh, just go look at yourself, Merkel. Just like what you did with the health system or yeah. something like that you know oh, yeah it's i don't know i think it instinctual like wait a second yeah yeah Don't we're very my country yeah <laughs> we're very yeah. nationalistic i think we're a little too much yeah a little too much yeah. i mean we're a new nation like when you think of it like the modern that's, turkey that's is new like you know just over 100 years old yeah but i think like, we have the pride it. of being turk 100 years old with them let me calculate. Not even. Wait. How 1923. You only need to add 100. Yeah. yeah. Help. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what about with COVID-19? You're a musician. Like, how have you been coping with that? Either, like, literally, you know, mm. not playing concerts and stuff or just mentally being, you know, going crazy? Yeah. Um, well, I actually um, spent in Turkey. Like, I, yeah, I had just... I had just gone to Turkey for a couple of concerts at, in, in February. Actually, it was already like known, like the, people were just saying, oh, there's something like this. The smart people knew something was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm very proud to say this, but I was one of those smart people. But 
Yes. So, yes. You were warning all of us. I was warning in like everyone. January. It's like it's coming. Including, including like, Jennifer, Joanna. So like I had some students, they were like, I knew they were going to travel from those countries, you know, the origin of the COVID-19. And I immediately went online with my students. Hmm. Because I had like... I don't remember getting that warning from you. <laughs> no, he sure. warmed. He like started giving uh, out masks and stuff in yeah, February. Yeah, I was wearing Like masks, not even February, yeah. at the end of ah. January even, yeah. Yeah, and then... Do you want to uh, play the lottery with us later? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, so yeah, I I had just... Yeah, I was in Turkey and, and then the borders closed down. Um, and I just got stuck in Turkey. Um, well, at first it was nice. I mean, I think everyone's going to agree with me. It's It was really nice to sort of see the slow side of life a little bit yeah. because like you know i started going to the, going to i don't know school at the age of what seven six or something ever since like you know no stopping nothing sorry um so yeah it was it was really nice to take some time off um but yeah like a month or so also like my you know there was issues with my father's health so i had to be there it worked out well i guess but like after a while I started getting like really paranoid. I'm like, what am I gonna do with my life? And what's gonna happen? Like, is it gonna be actually like this for, you know? Uh, what if it's like this long for two time? years? Mm. But two years is like- Or, you know, well, you know, cause they didn't know exactly, they still don't know, but like yeah. it could, it could know, pop yeah. up in waves and, and you're always yeah. in this like, oh, we opened up, now we shut down, you know? And what's yeah. the first thing to go is like anything that has big audiences, like yeah. classical music. Yeah. Maybe exactly. jazz clubs can be okay with the right seating arrangements or whatever. But you really can't play like orchestra concerts. Big orchestras. Like, I mean, you can yeah. like without audience. Like that's what they're doing in Berlin Phil, for instance. Mm -hmm. sure. Smaller, but still. There's something different about it though. Yeah. There's something it, different about playing weird. in front of live people. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, recordings are obviously great. And you probably, I mean, there's a literal difference in the sound in a concert hall when it's filled with people. Like yeah. the, the ring is different. Mm -hmm. um, depends on the hall, whether it makes it better or not. But I just mean the energy of a musician like, like you guys were just recording something. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer enjoy violin. I thought I liked the violin. <laughs> what a perfectionist. But so. Imagine if you just prepared it and then you were going to put it on as a concert. You would have approached it with a different mindset, I think. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, live streaming has that, I guess, too. But there's like a real human connection when you feel the people breathing over there. But you don't want to feel anyone breathing in COVID, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So what did you do at the time? Like, did you um, like, I mean, stop did practicing some or did you? Like, um, like I started, obviously I was teaching online. My teacher went online like everyone. But performance wise, um, well, with some friends, we did some, uh, yeah, remote recordings. Um, I remember doing the first time, my first time doing a remote recording on my own. I did the Kreuzer Sonata uh, with a pianist. And actually my pianist was in the same city as me, but you know, we were not allowed to go out of our houses. so. Um, yeah, like we did remote recordings and like there were, there was like a lot of live Instagram live things and like mm -hmm. uh, Facebook live, YouTube live. Like, that stuff you know, took off during COVID. Like I know a lot of musicians that yeah. just kind of up their social media game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. actually, as a matter of fact, I myself started one series, um, that didn't yeah. <laughs> really happen for a long time. We were, like, yeah, I had Yanka, um, as, as one of my guests once. Um, oh, the, the live stream chats? Yeah, live did? stream chat, yeah. I think I, I poked my head into that when you were 
Yeah, because mm-hmm. she was sitting oh, yeah, right here in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. So that was fun. Yeah, those things, and you know that those things like I don't know keep you. I guess I, don't know, I keep telling Yanka she should start a, a podcast in Turkish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll do all the um, you know editing. audio yeah. editing and stuff since I can do that pretty quickly now. That'd yeah. be fun. Um, yeah, I mean it's still kind of untapped in Turkey. I mean there are Turkish I mean. podcasts, but like not as many as. Here. If the market's not flooded like it is here, yes. you know, with <laughs> everyone and everyone who has a basement and like ten minutes of free time to start yeah, a podcast, true. you know, yeah, Emre, you do that, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a question. So, yeah. um, you started a project, right? Like this, another project, music in the air. Do you want to talk about that? A oh yeah, we started that. Um, yeah, that was that actually happened very recently um, with one of uh, two of my friends from the Stony Brook music department. Um, pianist Miki Aoki and cellist Jason Shan. We started this, um, I guess uh, you can call it like online concert series. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, we did our first concert um, last week, about 10 days ago. Um, so basically what we did, we like remotely recorded our parts. And then Jason, who's great at editing, he, uh, he put the parts together. But we also... Um, play it again like for the visual part of it for the video so he prepared the audio first like he put everything mm-hmm. together and then we we played on top of it and then he took the like we took the videos of or something and then he, he put it back Did you play with like a click track or yeah yeah something like that okay and actually it turned out to be really, really i don't know have you watched it i don't know it's like it, it looked mm-hmm. really almost all the time synced mm-hmm. um <laughs> which is i've i've tried i remember trying there are apps that do it for you but if you want to yeah. get like the best audio and yeah. video mm-hmm. and like mess around with it it gets pretty difficult um you have to like know what you're doing yeah did no, you I, find it like um, very good. musically rewarding to do that or is it more like okay like this is something to do yeah well because you can't hear the sounds no. in real life and playing with headphones on then you don't hear your sound and you don't hear how it's blending with other people's sounds yeah it's a kind of a weird thing i'm for a perfectionist like me like like us or i guess perfectionist like us um, I guess it was, I don't know, it was sort of like the outcome was much better because then you, you get to like, takes, you know, you yeah. would like do a lot of takes. It's all up to you. You can do like how many, many takes as you want. Um, but then like, there's just, it's so, there's something missing. There's actually a lot of things missing. Like that yeah. playing Rachmaninoff trio, just divide in part without, I don't know, just hearing the pianist like breathing or just like playing and moving yes. like just <laughs> feeling that presence um in the room is is, is very uh, unfortunate and um, you could like list all the things like um for non-musicians listening like the, the the kinds of cues we use to play in in small groups like yeah. you just said the breathing there's the visual just like seeing someone's bow move yeah. for our brass players we might even look at someone's lips mm. and kind of learn like when they breathe this is how long it would take for the sound to start yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah but then there's that more like hard to define thing it's just like the energy in the room right energy in the room exactly you don't you don't even have to look at yourself like you can't look at each other you can just feel something i don't know yeah. what it is there is this vibe an amazing thing going on and um and zoom has not developed the technology no, not, yet. Yet. <laughs> not yet yep. unfortunately so yeah going back to your question rewarding not really um but outcome like i watched what actually came out of it um my performance of kodai adagio 
I mean, it, it actually sounds close to perfect. Like, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I was just so happy. It was just great. But, you know, you can't play that perfect in a real performance. It's not possible. Um, also, I felt like I wasn't actually the executor of that performance. It was Jason. <laughs> because, like, like, I played right. two bars, three bars, and, like, he put all those things together. And I was like, no, that's not me. Like, it's actually... <laughs> right. At what point is it you? At what point is he the one, yeah, you know, exactly. who made it happen? Yeah, it's yeah. not really rewarding. But it's, I think... It, it's better the, than nothing. It's better than... Yeah. For, for, for the audience, I think, it's... I don't know if it matters that much. What do you think? Um, I think it depends on probably what audience. I mean, it's better than nothing. We need to adapt if this is going to persist for a while, which it seems like it, it will be. I don't think it's just going to... Classical musician, yeah. certainly. I don't think it's going to just magically end at 2021. I just get so bored watching those kinds of things. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it might not be as rewarding to make it, but at least it's fun to be a musician and prepare. Like, it gives you something to work for. for. Um, you stay in shape. Stay in shape, right? Mm -hmm. Just yeah. when you wake up, you're like, all right, I won't just stare at a wall all day. Like, I have something <laughs> to do. Bless you. Whoa. Choke Yasha. Sound like um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like every time I see a friend who had like put out a video or something, yeah. I, even like when the New York Phil puts out like something, I, I get bored <laughs> within a minute. I'm like, nah, next, you know, like, cause I love like how everybody, including me did the, um, what's the piece? Oh my God. Ravel, um, Bolero. Um, oh, that was yeah, like yeah. that's a classic the one trend that, like in yeah. trend that's like well because it works so perfectly for video <laughs> editing because the Ravel Bolero is a piece that starts with the you know the drums and then each instrument gets added and it, it makes for a really nice video editing like experience but after a while then everybody did that I'm like I just don't want to hear this anymore. you did that early in March right true yeah yeah we you were the first right after <laughs> was it New Yorkville yeah right after them so we stole it first. Yeah, I agree. There's something missing from from the online performances. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah. So around like July, I got asked to play my first concert of the pandemic. Um, the concerto that actually I played. That was the first. That was the last performance I did before the pandemic. So that was you know. Oh, lucky. so you, you just to... had to dust it off a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. I was really lucky. Um, it's just it was amazing. Like to play in front of an audience. Like I. I don't know. I Wait, kinda, how did the audience sit? Like, I know orchestra like did COVID tests and everything from what you told me, but how did yeah. the audience socially? They were, yeah, it was, it was an open air concert. It was, um, it was in a like um, open space inside a Pavilion campus of a thing. really well-known university, Boazic mm -hmm. University in Istanbul. Um, the audience, they were seated like really like, apart from each Quite other. Like, there was just so much space uh, in between uh, two seats. Um, yeah, well, I mean, not not so much the audience part. I mean, I yeah, I love, of course, the audience like feeling and hearing, uh, like the claps and everything. Like it's it, it makes it it makes it live the performance. But making music with with people behind you or yeah. around you, it doesn't matter. Is it your soloist, a chamber musician? That 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 was actually what I missed the yeah. most. <laughs> yeah, playing for the audience, of course, it's it's an important part of it, but. Again, playing with musicians, real musicians, and yeah, playing. I mean, we have the most fun in rehearsals sometimes, you know. Yeah, and that's it has not. There's no audience there. It's more like if you like the people you're playing with. Yeah, and there's a there's a, a flexibility. You know, they listen to you. You're listening to them. There's a dialogue. There's a dialogue. Isn't that literally what a concerto is? Right. It's like it this. Is, yeah. Can you talk about concertos? Because you do a lot of soloing, right, in Turkey. I do a lot of soloing. Yes. Um, 
just well, even define what it is if we well, have concerto, some non-musician well, listeners. Yeah, we can talk about that. Okay, so it's uh, the style actually uh, refers to um, two uh, instruments competing with each other. So it could be like concerto for piano, violin, and that means um, so there are two equally important uh, figures in that piece, and they're competing with each other. Or it could be a concerto for one instrument, and that could be. Uh, concerto for violin accompanied by orchestra so that means the important figure there is the soloist is the violinist and then the orchestra is accompanying so uh, the concerto I played it was Mozart concerto and it was concerto for violin um, accompanied by orchestra so the orchestra wasn't actually an important I mean it's an important part of it but like the orchestra has an accompaniment part so it's not, not as, as much important of an equal part yeah. yes so <laughs> we have like geo uh, concertants uh, concertos so they're like viola violin are the soloists and orchestras the accompaniment part? So the concerto is actually a very important part of evol uh, evolution of um, evolution of string players, um, mm -hmm. string instruments. So yeah, I do uh, a lot of soloing, and um, that's actually what I enjoy the most in my life, yeah. really, mm -hmm. as a, as a musician and like anything really. So do you like yeah. the thrill of it? Because like like for example, in an orchestra. Mm -hmm depending on like for trumpet, obviously you might have a solo or something like within the orchestra. Like if you're playing Mahler five, then it's basically a concerto for trumpet. Right? Yeah. Right. But um, it's not like you usually get nervous if you're just playing, you know, second trumpet or third trumpet or in the section, uh, in the violin section and, and you don't have a big role, but if you have the soloist, like do you ever get anxiety or nervous energy or, you know, have you ever had a freak out or do, do you just like hmm. not have to worry about that? Well, sure. I mean, it's uh, there are times um, that I feel like, yeah, of course, it's um, like so. I don't know. But for for, for example, like that last concert, last concert I did, like in the pandemic process, pandemic uh, season, it was um, I I missed it so much that I there was like I didn't feel any anxiety. It was just yeah. like, I want to go out there. I want to actually play on that stage. It was, um, but sometimes it also depends on the piece. It also depends on like your preparation. But sometimes, actually recently, I talked to Yanke about this recently. The more I prepare, the more anxiety I get. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Like I, I, I know what you mean though, yeah. yeah. You, have, you, have, you have more to worry about. More yeah. to worry about, more expectations. And I had practiced that concerto, Mozart concerto number five, um, for my concert, concert here in New York um, in February. So it was like a month of practicing but then there was like six months of not practicing it mm -hmm. and then they asked me like last minute like four days before the concert um and i was like okay i I'm, i think i can do it um then like yeah i, I think it was just i, I you think it went better because of that it went much better yeah much i've had the same experience where much, much better. yeah um a lot of preparation and then when you let it leave your short-term memory yeah so like all of the moments that you know you got tripped up on or whatever yeah you sort of see the piece in a more zoomed out way yeah. You're just yeah. kind of like, oh, I'll just like play it. Yeah. You just like yeah. kind of hit the go button and you play it For and sure. enjoy it. Exactly. exactly. I mean, I just block myself. Like if I just practice and learn something like just so much, I just can't play anymore from thinking. Like I just like totally yeah. freeze basically personally. Some of that is like how you practice, you know, and, and there are probably ways to practice that we all know we don't practice in the healthiest ways, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you know what you should do and then you just like... Hmm. Stressfully, yeah. like repeat something over and over again, yeah. and then those moments kind of get tagged in your brain when you mm -hmm. get to them in the piece, and yeah. It, yeah. it's less free and more like technically like. I mean, you have very healthy practice habits, I think. Do I? Like from what I like observed, 
Like you're really good at like just detaching, I think. Which well, is that's what I, you, you seem very, de- I was watching some of your, you know, videos that you have up on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have a very calm presence about you when you play. Like, that's why I was asking about nerves. Like, is that, are you just good at hiding nerves or do you just find they don't, like what I mean by nerves is like, you know, like your heart starts beating and you can kind of lose your breath or your hands might be shaky or something like that. Yeah, that that definitely happens to me. Um a lot of times, actually. Um, but uh, like heartbeat, oh gosh, yeah, it's it definitely it's not it's no nowhere close to normal normal ratio, I think. <laughs> but when I perform, um, but somehow, again, it it depends on the environment. It depends on the on on the piece. It depends on like where I am in the process of learning that piece. But also, it there is something interesting about nerves that I find recently. Um, there is this funny connection between my fingers, but what I mean by fingers, my brain, and also my heartbeat. Like it's, if I can detach those two things, if I can actually just, I don't want to use the word cut the, the, the relationship between those two, but um, look at, looking at my fingers somehow make me more nervous, mm-hmm. makes me more nervous. And, um, I just want to sort of be there in the in that presence and then I just want to really uh I don't want to use the word focus because when you focus everything gets I don't know out of control for me I just need to really enjoy and not look at my fingers because when I look at my fingers I tend to think about every single step mm-hmm. I make and I tend to think about every single muscle movement I'm doing. And that point, my brain is overworked. And that point, my brain is like, you're giving me too much to, you know, to do. And then at that point, my heartbeat gets like really fast. So like, I try to really like go with the flow and, and at the, you know, for example, that Carnegie concert I did, you know, that, that, that performance, I mean, it was my first time playing Carnegie, like solo. Um, and of course, like there was just a lot of like nerves going on, um, but I wasn't as sure um, as I wanted to be like about that piece. So I tried so hard to control everything, even the tempi, control the dynamics, control the tempi, control everything in the orchestra too. And then my brain was just working too much. And then my brain was giving single signals to my my body and eventually my brain, my, my heart, just to actually saying like, I'm overworked, mm. I'm doing too much work. And, and at that point, my heart is starting to beat faster. So, I mean, you know, just by experience, you sort of like hide things in the concert. I mean, as far as I remember, nothing went drastically wrong. I don't know, Yanko was Absolutely. at that concert. Absolutely amazing, but, by oh, the no, way, just so everybody knows. But yeah, so um, I think, yeah, I, I recently, you know, discovered this in myself. I don't know if it works the same with you guys, but um, I just, I just want to go with the flow. I just want to sort yeah. of... You know, like I think what you're describing is what we always talk about on this podcast and just with each other, like mindfulness and and getting ahead of emotions and stuff, mm-hmm. like or detaching, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said detach, like from your fingers, like don't look at them. That means you let them just work on their own. Yeah, just like when you walk, you don't tell your legs how to walk. Yes. You just expect also, something should come naturally. Like I actually was talking to Hagai, our professor at Stony Brook Department, about this. Great. What note is it? C sharp. Yeah. So, um, another okay. one. 
now we're good they always do three (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think yeah some some things definitely should come natural naturally to you and and if they're not coming naturally and just like you know like walking you know if Mm -hmm. when you walk you can't think of every step you make and if you do that you're gonna either like trip you're gonna fall or something like that something else if you pay attention to your legs it's at the expense of something else right yeah definitely yeah Mm -hmm. like you you have limited Mm. computational power of of the mind yeah but in the subconscious right where you let your fingers just go or you let your legs go then the brain works way better and it like you said the word flow before you actually flow you actually flow yeah yeah and my previous teacher Pinkus Zuckerman there's like a really big banner in his studio saying like oh listen to your sound not your emotions um I actually um you know, I like that saying. It's I think it's an important saying. Like meaning while performing, just while performing. do you sound good? Don't worry about the judgment of or like yeah. you're nervous or that. Yeah, or exactly. Mm-hmm. Like and we like I don't know, as Middle Eastern people, I think we're like you know it's like we're human beings. We have emotions and um, <laughs> no one else has it. Just, just no the Middle Eastern no, people. Just yeah, Middle Eastern people, people. Yeah, yeah. We we're a little too dramatic, actually. We were. Yeah, we can get dramatic for sure. Um, oh, if that's what you mean. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, like. Actually, he made me notice something really important in myself and my, one of my lessons. Um, when I was like going with like, oh, you know, just with emotions, just like and making faces and everything mm-hmm. like that, uh, something would go wrong in my playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I'm just like, oh, you see, like now just, just try to play like you hate playing the violin. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play that. Actually, You're like, no problem, I do. No problem. <laughs> yeah, there was like no problem with the, uh, yeah, no problem. Exactly. I hate playing one. No, I think uh, we all have a love-hate relationship. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Sure. We're going to come to that later. So, <laughs> so yeah, and I realized that, yeah, actually everything was, you know, working much better than when I was involving and attaching my feelings into my playing. But then I went a little, you know, to, like over the board i guess um i exaggerated a little too much over the years because you know after you graduate mm-hmm. uh, you know from a certain teachers a very influential teachers uh, class like pinko zuckerman um you sort of take the time to internalize certain things after you it graduate takes time to have them fall into your brain and like uh, exactly make them mm-hmm. part of who you are yeah and i mm-hmm. ran in the wrong way a little bit like i was like mm-hmm. a little too sort of cold and i was mm-hmm. like oh, unemotional like, you know like right. that and then i wasn't getting as much you know, I guess, success. Positive or feedback about positive your playing. Feedback. Exactly. Like people would be just like, oh, you're just playing, like you sound like constipated. I actually heard this heard from- Oh, that's uh, quite uh, a one comment. Of my, one of my, that's you mean, know, man. yeah, like it's it's a constipation kind of I'm sound. I'm going to use that actually on one of my <laughs> students. I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, your yeah. concerto was great, but um, sounds, sounds a little constipated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just you just find yourself by time, but like it's, um, I think it's a so you were like too far on the emotion side of things, and it was disturbing the technique. Yeah, and, and then, then you swung too far back towards technique. Yeah. Do you feel like you kind of found a, a balance now, or I guess I I don't know. It's it's right now I feel definitely you know most comfortable with my playing. I mean, there are obviously more things to work about and to to develop, obviously. But like when I perform, I mean, yeah. like I actually feel really comfortable right now. And it took me like how many years? Like twenty years. Like it's it's crazy. And there there will be more things to discover always. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it takes time. It everything takes time. And and I was so impatient when I was with Pinkus. Um, I was just like, oh, I can't do, I can't do. It's just like not what I want to do. But it, look, it's been like four or so five he, years. He, and- he kind of boxed you in more and then you kind of yeah. 
got what you can can out of that yeah and yeah have exactly i think most of most of his students they experienced like i talked to some of some of um alumni from that class they say the same thing like it took me three four years to actually find myself and like when mm-hmm. they get out of that sort of yeah like closed up like really like i don't know restrictive really constrained um, yeah. environment they um yeah, like after a while, they 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 feel really free. They find themselves. They internalize certain things in their playing. Um, it's all about just you know discovery, discovering yourself. You it's know? really mm-hmm. it's a weird balance though because it's like okay, even those type teachers. I don't know Zuckerman particularly, but like they might focus on sound, right? Yeah, they'll be like, oh, the movement you're doing is taking away from your sound. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're not resonating as much or the clarity's not there because you're swept up in yeah. the moment. Yeah. And, and I, I've noticed that same thing in playing orchestra music, like at the end of a Mahler symphony, if yeah. you're playing first trumpet, yeah. that's like hard. It's like a sprint. It's not, I mean, it's like sprinting at the end of a marathon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense like if you get too caught up in the moment, if I hear the music the way I would if I'm watching a concert, it's like yeah, too emotional too and it starts taking away from the sound. There's okay. a detachment that you have to find, but so it's like less emotional, but it's more musically effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think to myself, well, if I'm the one playing the Mahler symphony, then the audience is the, the person buying the product who should get the best experience, not me enjoying it the most. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I have to detach and just make sure my sound is really projecting the way it needs to or something. And you know, because sometimes at the end of a Mahler symphony, I Mahler happens to be one of my favorite composers, so I always use that example. But like, your heart could just start beating, not from nerves, but just from like, oh man, like the music builds mm-hmm. to this like terrifying moment or something, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, usually before it ends beautifully or whatever. But um, like in, in Mahler, sometimes the darkest moments happen right before the, the beautiful climax or something. Yeah. And you can really just get so caught up um, that happened once I was had too much coffee before uh, a Mahler symphony. I don't know why we did that, but um, yeah, that's an interesting balance. I think there's no f- perfect answer to it. And certain students don't sync up with certain teachers, right? If you're a teacher that's trying to box people in and, and yeah. you're not someone who wants to be boxed in, you're not going to get along. I really definitely needed to be boxed in though. Like I, <laughs> I knew I needed that. And I, I'm really, really grateful that I had that opportunity because um yeah, like I loved my teacher in London, Rashkowski. I think he made me a much better musician, much better, like more creative artist to start with. But I had things missing in my playing. Like I had a lot of things that I needed to fix, both technically and and, and here. I didn't have the conceptually. Control. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't have the control. Definitely, like I mean, I had the facility. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I had the facility, but I didn't know how to control it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I played Miniaski first concerto, like one of the hardest concertos ever written, but I played it, like I would play it one concert like really well and another concert horrible, like really out of tune and everything. Uh, so there was like no control. And mm-hmm. and that's why I'm really grateful to Mr. Zuckerman. I mean, he, he made me much more in control, much more in like command, mm-hmm. much more, um, uh, sort of like aware of what I'm of doing, thing. yes. Mm-hmm. Like he he made actually my like muscle brain muscle work, and I he made me learn how to use my brain while I'm playing. There was like mm-hmm. this detachment all over, like nice. just so everything was so um, <laughs> not in the right place. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. interesting. So many different approaches. Like so I, I know some teachers that will just never mention technique. You know, yeah. Like yeah. they they just don't. They want all technique to 
to enter your brain through the lens of musicality and kind expression. Of impossible though. Like in our line of, you know, in, in violin teaching, I think it's impossible. Maybe it's impossible in all Maybe types brass, of teaching. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on, on the student too. Like some, some people are more technically minded and you tell them like, just play it with this feeling and they're like, the hell are you talking about like what feeling you know yeah um and then some people are are all like feeling based and and they mm -hmm. i think you need both right yeah. what would it mean to be totally expressive without any technique like yeah, of course you you know i would that would be me taking your violin and going to play a concerto right <laughs> yeah i can play mary had a little lamb or no what i can play uh whatever the Suzuki violin beginner book song is just imagine like no ma I, I know music I can express yeah. music but if you give me a violin and just say like go play a concerto what would I do you know yeah. am I being expressive well I don't know but it's not going to be effective because I have no technique yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think at that you're right yeah I think for those students like yeah everyone has like you know a better side of course like more technical more musical but then if you go to a teacher who's like really technical then, then I, I actually find this balance really like working really working out really well. Um, like for example, when I was studying, when I talked about Pinka so much, no advertisement, right? Um, <laughs> so click the link in the episode notes, and you'll get fifty yeah. percent off lessons. Yeah, <laughs> like, Pinka. So, yeah, I, I promise. The last time I'm talking about him, so we had um, like his assistant Pat, Patinka Kopek. So she was actually finding the balance. Like she was. Like he was giving us all those like, you know, technical, you know, things to, to work work it out. But I didn't know how to actually practice, how to put it in my practice time. And 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 like actually having an assistant, like for some like a big name like Pinkas, um, I think having having an assistant like that to find the like middle voice, find that intermediary um sort of role playing that role uh, between the teacher and the student i think that makes it uh, a lot a lot different to help translate not like exactly yes yes um, because like some, like you know i'm gonna really talk honestly like my lessons with uh pinkas they were like yes there was a lot of technical talking and everything but you know there was a lot of information i was getting a lot of information and um you know he was showing me like how to actually do that those things but he's just so like somewhere else like he was just so advanced and like i'm just nowhere close to what, where he is and i'm still nowhere close to where he is so uh i needed like like a translator someone like it's translate yeah. exactly mm -hmm. like i mean actually that's a great idea for like genius type teachers that um you might not understand what they meant by something yeah. until 10 years later. You get Still, it much faster when yeah. when somebody who knows how to talk to the yeah. the, the rest of us, like exactly. they can translate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, imagine Einstein trying to tell you about relativity, you know, you would need a translate. Well, literally you would need a translator, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. So is that something, um, I, I've never heard of that before, like a teacher just always having an assistant around to. Mm -hmm. It's common and I think Europe a lot like it's very common in Europe yeah but here yeah like Not they're so famous much. they're the like power couple of teaching yeah gotcha. yeah Miss yeah, yeah, Kopek, Kopek Miss Kopek yeah. is not really an assistant that means dog like, in Turkish like she is yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, Kopek, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kopek. <laughs> Kopek means yeah I think it's with a different letter. It's not. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I mean her like her title is like assistant. To the regional manager? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, yeah. She's, she's, she's more than an assistant. assistant yeah, what's her yeah. title? I mean, I, I want to call her assistant because that would, wouldn't do justice, I guess. No, it's yeah. not. I mean, I don't know what actually officially what her title is. Um, <laughs> program coordinator, maybe. Oh, I okay. Because the government performance program coordinator, but she's definitely doing more than coordinating an assistant. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I think last time I talked about Pinkus Kuma today. And, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Who's your favorite composer? Oh, great question. Um, well, it changes, of course, like from day to okay. day. Right now. Day. Wait, from day to day. today? Bartok. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bartok's my least favorite yeah, today. We're trying to no, no, record a Bartok yeah. thing. Like Are you going to put that today? on Instagram or something? Uh, what we did with Yanka? Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> I'll link your Instagram in the episode notes. He puts out like videos and okay. other Instagrammy things. Yeah. Um, so you can hear the bar talk that drove me crazy t this afternoon because oh they recorded it like 30 <laughs> times in a row. 30? Just 30? <laughs> yeah. I think it's been more. Yeah, to perfect. Oh, sorry. You're going to post it and well. just be like one take, hashtag one take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Totally. We did like we did Jason. We try to make it effortless, but it was very effortful, I would say. Yeah, actually, it's... I mean, it was just, yeah, whatever. It was just, too, too, very human too perfection. Today. It was very human today. I mean, that drove me crazy, like m mentally. Like, yeah. I just am not having a pleasant day, that's yeah, for sure. That's what I mean. It's just like the air is very yeah. heavy. It makes it hard to think. Yeah, that's or right. Move. I think yeah. something is happening, yeah, with my um, perception. Is Bartok also your favorite composer <laughs> oh, no, to listen no. to? It was no. a joke, I think. Oh, that was a joke. Yeah. That was a joke. Oh, okay. Uh. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> to give you false hope. Um, my favorite composer actually has been for a long time Schubert. Mm. Um, yeah, like I enjoy playing his violin works. Um, nice. Difficult as they may be, um, I don't want to say difficult. Actually, it's just very challenging. It's not virtuosic, but it's definitely more challenging than many virtuosic works I've ever played. Isn't it funny how that works sometimes? Something that looks so crazy on the surface and it sounds virtuosic. Yeah. Virtuosic. Um, see the humidity. I can't even say <laughs> virtuosic. Stink. <laughs> um, and then like simple things that that look like oh it's just like long notes and it's not mm -hmm. that hard or whatever like yeah. ends up being yeah <laughs> but I think Schubert's music Schubert's writing for string uh, string instruments and piano as well uh, it doesn't look easy on the page either it's there is um, it's definitely I mean Schubert's music wasn't really designed to sort of like um, shine a certain aspect of an instrument like. Uh, mm -hmm. As opposed to like Paganini, Winiavsky, like they were focusing on, to, you know, how do I make like the violin make sound? Violin sound <laughs> much yeah. like I don't know, I don't know, shiny or like uh, speak better. But like Schubert didn't have any of those concerns. Like Schubert, all all, all he was thinking about just like you know how I can actually uh, make this work work more, uh, sort of composition wise. Uh, well crafted and how can i work out the harmonies like the, he, his concern you didn't was, get the feeling like he was really aware of of violin um well, technique he, or actually you would expect him to be because he worked with um joseph slavic uh just a um, very famous virtuoso of, of, of his time um also he went to paganini's concerts twice um and uh, he was like um, he like there are like some letters of of schubert saying uh like he was so impressed by Paganini's like creativity and musicality and like, you know, everyone at that time, like they were obviously so mesmerized by Paganini's like, uh, you know, abilities as a violinist, like, you know, as a showman as well, mm -hmm. uh, not just being a violinist, but um, for Schubert, I think um, he tried to sort of, um, sort of, I don't know, bring that virtuosic side of, 
violin writing into like more like Beethovenian, Beethoven-wise, like Beethoven-like mm-hmm. uh, writing. Um, there, there are some articles saying he was like his violin music, like Ronda Brilliant, uh, Fantasy in C Major, uh, like they're really not like worth spending time on like learning or something. They're like really not, not good works. But I, I disagree, I strongly disagree. So the, um, I, what, what do you think, Yanka? Those works, have you ever played? I never played any of them. I, so I'm gonna be honest. Like I yeah. just was not really intrigued by them. Like, but I totally understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. why yeah. I, I played the Rosamund quartet once. The Rosamund, yeah, that was yeah. it. Sometimes honestly. pieces that that you're really not intrigued by for the first like ten times you hear them, they yeah. grow on you. Yeah, I mean, if I yeah. bet if I learn it, I would actually really enjoy it. But as an audience listening to it, mm-hmm. I just get kind yeah. of bored from Schubert. So, to be honest. yeah, I think you should. Yeah, you can. I probably really should. Yeah, I love his his vocal works. Like, oh, yes, certainly. absolutely. Some of those harmonies are give him yeah. credit. Winterize, um, well, Winterize, Winterize. Yeah, yeah. Um, die schöne Müller. It's amazing. Song, uh, I, I, I'm forgetting the exact song. I think it's um, well, whatever. It's not going to come to my mind. But I'll. That's what the Schubert I'll listen to most is is vocal Movies, music. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Exactly, I agree with you. Um, and in in those works like Ronda Brillian, especially, there's just so mm-hmm. much lyricism happening, but also underneath, there's just so much chromatic harmonies, yeah, like mm-hmm. the modulations, and it's it's, it's just so well crafted. Um, so yeah, like I I enjoy listening to Schubert as well, but um, you know who's my favorite com- composer to listen to? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't really listen. I don't really like to listen to like classical music so much in my spare time. <laughs> classical musicians say that it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. yeah. Like recently, I just find myself. Oh, why don't I just discover some more Wagner? Because Wagner is like my, you know, just sort of um, missing. Like I'm, I'm actually missing a lot of my a lot of Wagner like repertoire in my knowledge. So I should invest more time and like learning more Wagner. Yeah, just get it in your brain. So yeah. maybe there's some gold there that you're missing out on mm-hmm. that would yeah. really influence you in some yeah. way. Yeah, a- a- amazing orchestral works. Um, so like I just started discovering, like last last week I started discovering some amazing work like uh, Siegfried Edel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just like actually asking you like, yeah, you like in Stony Brook? said that yeah, like 10 yeah. times since you came. Like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, so, do you know this I, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think right now I enjoy listening to Wagner's music nice. a lot. Yeah. Wagner's awesome. Yeah, I, I got obsessed with Wagner in different periods. Last summer you played... Um, yeah. So I watched, what was it? Uh, the Valkyrie. You played Valkyrie, the like whole the whole Valkyrie. thing over a few days. And yeah. so I remember sitting out on the lawn up at Tanglewood, like crushing beer, yeah. listening to Wagner. I was just like, oh, look, man, this is great. Yeah. Um, Tanglewood, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, going inside to listen, like you can go inside the shed and hear the music like from the live sound in front of you which is obviously great in its own way but i always love sitting out on the grass and you hear some some of the sounds live but a lot of it's coming through the speakers that they project mm-hmm. yeah. but you also get to like make a picnic and sit there with some look drinks and, and look at the stars and hear the music yeah i remember having such a nice moment up at tanglewood um this was back in 2012 or something and um listening to brahms i think it was brahms piano concerto and um, I believe it was the second movement. What's the movement in the second piano concerto that has the nice cello solo? Which one was the second? Um, I, I, I mean, it, it's it's one of the slow movements. It might be the third movement or something. 
Um, I forget if if that has th- more than three movements. Anyways, it's the slow movement of Brahms that has a cello, and I remember just being like, "This mm-hmm. is crazy," you know. Um, yeah. There's something really cool about it. Yeah. What about you, Yaka? Who's your favorite composer? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Not Vivaldi, you're crazy. <laughs> That's, a That's a Bojack Horseman reference yeah. uh, for the. We should do that a whole episode of like Bojack Horseman. Ten times legit every week, probably in this household. Yeah. Like just constantly, someone says that. Just to set up the scene, that was. Um, I I can't even set up the scene. Yeah, Never please, mind. like go watch it. Yeah, I'll link it. Chicken Luke, when you're days. editing this, link link. Oh, wait, uh, it's season two. It must be season two, one, two. It's two probably, and it's chicken. The chicken for days like chicken for days or, or yeah something like something. That. chicken something about chickens go watch it it's hilarious <laughs> anyway it's, it's not Bach unfortunately I, mean, I love Bach I used to be Bach it's not anymore my favorite composer is Brahms I was gonna say Brahms too yeah I love Brahms so I've been obsessed with the Brahms violin concerto during quarantine like I, when I'm feeling spiritually dead inside I'll like go for a nice walk around sunset yeah. and listen to Brahms violin concerto especially the oh, first yeah. movement Karatash mm-hmm. Hmm? Played by Yanka Kurt. Oh yeah, oh, Yanka soloed that played that uh, with uh, the school orchestra. Yeah. So much anxiety. Um, <laughs> that's actually right when we were first dating. Yeah, it was. We were dating for like a couple of weeks at that point. Oh, yeah, we were very fresh, fresh, fresh couple during the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, that piece is just there's something yeah. so. Um, Second one was beautiful. Yeah, uh, the whole thing. But something about the first movement, it just grips me. It's like, this is a story worth listening to, you know? Hmm. Um, I don't know. There's something about that, that movement. I almost hear it like a Disney movie right now. (laughs) Do you know, like I did, like, um, it's just like, I can really, it's very dreamlike in my mind. I don't know. It's weird. Who's your favorite composer? Or is this Brahms too? We talked about this, right? I I, I think it's, it's too hard to answer that. Like, uh, yeah, so mine I, is not you, just Brahms. Yeah, words. obviously. Like, I have works that I'm obsessed with. I These guess, kinds of questions are more a fun way to like um, yeah. spark conversation than to like be like, <laughs> you know, here's a list. <laughs> Make like it. <laughs> BuzzFeed quiz. We should do that. Yeah. Pick like five of your favorite <laughs> breakfast foods and we'll tell you which composer you are. <laughs> yeah. Make it. <laughs> we'll get rich. Yeah. Please. <laughs> um, bonus questions. Ready, Emery? Oh, exciting. Yes. Feel yeah. free to skip any of them if they... Uh, if they, if you don't, don't want to, <laughs> well, okay. So we were at dinner last night and the topic of religion came up. You were like, Oh wait, I'm going to do this podcast. Like what the heck are you going to ask me on it? <laughs> so I was like, uh, what do you think happens when you die? Or like, do you believe in God or something like that? Kind of as a joke, but then, you know, and then the conversation you started answering, but then the conversation kind of, you know, yeah. um, became, you know, you ordered a Peroni and then the waitress brought us over Pellegrino <laughs> Some Pellegrino water. Is amazing. Yeah, we're like, mm. And then she's like, we don't have that on the menu. And I like was pointing to the sign in the window of the restaurant. Like, I mean, Not I even could, just that it is on the menu, the menu that but it, you also have a, a lit up sign that says yeah. <laughs> Peroni. <laughs> that, that anyway, special. So do you believe in God? No, I don't. And is that something that changed for you? Yes, I used to. And when did that change, or was there a specific reason, or did it just kind of fizzle, fizzle away? Well, it's um, of course it's it's just a long journey. I mean, you don't like I I actually like there was no like one day that I just woke up and like oh there's no God obviously. Um, you know I I made some research and you know it's it's nothing to do like I think like I it's a very sensitive subject and I, I'm not as knowledgeable <laughs> as I want to not to sound. Like I don't, I don't want to sound like I don't want to uh, sort of um, belittle anyone's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, beliefs or anything. So, um, 
but I think for me it was like a you know as a result of a long journey of thinking, long mm -hmm. journey of like um, experiencing certain things and and uh, sort of uh, examining um, the, the you know the ways in which I was encountering some you know not pleasant situations and you know no matter how much I prayed to God, <laughs> certain things were not really happening in my way and, I, and that wasn't always the only way that I you know there is no God. There, that's not the only way I question the existence of God, of course. Um, but yeah, I think mm -hmm. it was a long journey yeah. for me. Also, I mean, people mean so many different things by that word, you know? Yeah. It's such a, a, a word we all assume what the other person means, you know, by uttering that three-letter word. But mm -hmm. people mean different things, you know? From this, also, Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, no, it's okay. <laughs> so, well, I mean, feel free to disagree with me, but hmm. when you're coming from like a background... Not background. It wasn't in my household or my family, but like you look around and when you're coming from a culture that the religious is like being shoved down your throat, like you just get really turned off by all that. If you have yeah, that's like are somewhat intelligent, I'm, yeah. maybe that those are not your reasons, but my reasons were always like, I was always so turned off mm -hmm. by how that movement, movement picked up and how that started oppressing people. And I was mm -hmm. just like, Ugh. like yeah. I don't believe in any no, I mean, of this. if you grow up very conservative and religious, you tend to... If you get out of it, you tend yeah. to reject mm -hmm. it for that reason. Yeah. Some people I mean, obviously I didn't, stay, just, but it was around yeah. the culture. So, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, my my parents, like, they're of course they believe, you know, they're Muslims, but like, they're not really, you know, practicing Muslims. You know, they're you know they weren't doing many things that you know um, mm -hmm. Islam requires you to do. Um, but I, yeah, well, it was partially that, Yanka. I think mm -hmm. I agree with you. It was partially that we just like a little mm, too, 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 too much in your face. Everything. Yeah, that's that's how we Personally. all grew up. <laughs> Even if like your pa parents are not like that, just you just you know step out and this. And if it's in the culture, it it kind of like uh, pushes you away rather yeah. than convinces yeah. you to come join or something. Yeah. yeah, and it happened that way with me actually before I moved to the UK. Like it's not like oh I went to uh, you know. You know, you know, the UK is not a Christian. Uh, England is not a Christian country, um, but like it's it's not like oh, I discovered like people who believe in like you know, other religions. Like that's how I, you know it's not like that. It was just actually it was my own discovery before I moved to the UK. Um, discovery is the wrong word. Uh, there is nothing that I discovered. Discovered <laughs> disbelief in myself. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a discovery. Yeah. It's I mean, a, a lot of people discovery. they never consider right. Yeah. I mean, so there are also different definitions of atheism. It's like, are you saying, I know there's not a God? Or are you just saying, I don't default believe that there is one? Yeah. It's very hard to um, prove that something doesn't exist. It's one of In the fact, hard... it's impossible. It's I mean, impossible. you cannot prove that something doesn't exist. Yeah. So that's they why say... it's very hard to argue with those people who's just like, oh, how could you say that? Like, oh, oh, right. And they say argue. like, how, never, how, how could yeah. you, how, how would you prove that? It's like, I don't have, it's called burden of proof, right? Mm. In other words, if the police arrest something, some, yeah. someone, they have the burden to prove that that person is guilty. Mm -hmm. The person doesn't, it's to have the burden to prove their innocence. Yeah. If, if it, depending on the country, of course. Right. But um, it's to be innocent until proven guilty. So I think being an atheist is like, I am an atheist until proven God, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think the best way to be atheist is to be open to the possibility, just like you should be open to all possibilities, but it's a good default to be like, there's not a magical person in the sky, like- There you know, isn't? <laughs> you pick up your cell phone like, hello, God, are you there? I wonder if God listens to this podcast. Um, That's what you mean by God again. Yeah. 
Yeah, we should do a whole episode on that. Um, maybe in 10 years when we found the answers. <laughs> in 10 years, you were thinking we're going to find an answer? Yeah, of course. I've been working hard on it. All right. <laughs> maybe we should ask Alexi. Alexi yeah, yeah. In the, 20, Alexa, the 2030 yeah. version of, of Alexa will yeah. know whether there's a God. Alexa, Wait, I, I'm going to ask the next, next question. And I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway it? so that our audience can know as well. What would you see yourself doing if you weren't a musician? Oh, surgeon. Definitely. Yeah. I, I Brain or I heart to surgeon, to be specific. What is it? Brain or heart surgeon, isn't it? Brain. What, what Brain intrigues okay. you so much about being a surgeon? Well, I mean, I think I, sh I spent a fair share amount of my time when I was growing up in hospitals. I'm mean, not just because of mine, but my mom, but also um, I... Like I went through like four surgeries when I was a little kid. So, you know, it was so nice. You were able. getting your fingers extended to be big enough for the violin. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to be the next Paganini. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine that. So, um, yeah, like it was just so nice uh, to see all those like people in, like in caves and like they were just washing up and like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that, your, that your favorite part is the caves like, and washing up. Yeah, like, not know, the like, actual the way they part. wash up, there's just something so charismatic about that. <laughs> Anything. the capes um, yeah and then and then just those like tools i don't know what they call like um yeah so i actually to this day i still watch those videos the so, capes and the cleaning up and the tools whatever they're called i don't know yeah, actually, so, sounds like you're almost ready to be a surgeon i'm so ready i can just finish medical school right now um so what was i saying yeah i i think i would definitely be a surgeon i um I watch videos all the time. and You watch Grey's Anatomy all the time? I watch Grey's Anatomy all the time. <laughs> I watch, there's this like really stupid and never-ending uh, yeah. TV show in No, same though. Like for Doctors. some reason, we were very similar. I, I was so intrigued as well. I would like read diseases as a kid and enjoy that. Like yeah. in, in encyclopedias, like I would really like look up like yeah. medical terms and stuff. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I, don't know. I have a And I heard friend. a lot yeah. of like... Yeah. Go I, I, I've heard a lot of musicians saying this. Who knows? Maybe it's like very yeah, similarly. Maybe it's a similar Poking mindset. the brain. Yeah, exactly. What were you maybe saying? Maybe it's a musician thing. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I have a surgeon friend like who well, I'm actually really lucky to have her as my friend. She's like sending me like, I don't know, photos from operation room and stuff like for her, for their own <laughs> archives. Uh -huh. um, and then I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Like many people would be just so like, oh, what is this? Like, it's so disgusting. It's gross. Like there's this like and you're blood. And like... <laughs> I'm so like excited. So you think if you saw um, in person, like somebody's like body being cut into for some surgery, would that freak you out? No, some not people at would all. pass out right on the spot. I know, yeah. not at all, not at all. I would, I would enjoy it, and I, I well, think, um, you could always become a vet. <laughs> cut open animals <laughs> you just insulted him excuse like, me what yeah. do you mean like, you still have to wear capes and work with those tools some undefined tools sorry inside joke what's a book or movie that you think everyone should read movie or book pick one a uh, book oh sorry like a book or movie that book you think somebody should read or watch yeah sorry um <laughs> what movie should i read <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, humidity is playing games with my mind. Um, what? Okay, let's go with the book first. Um, I'm reading recently. It's, it, uh, it's, it's, it's from like Turkish literature. Um, I'm reading right now, actually a couple of books. Actually, no, there's Homodeus. I really love Homodeus. Actually, I was going to talk about that. Homo sapiens and Homodeus. Mm -hmm. They were like pairs by the same uh, author. Um, yes, I think I'm going to go with those two books. Okay. They're, they're, mm -hmm. They actually changed my life. 
And there's also who's the author of that? Yeah. Uh, Yuval. Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, I read Sapiens. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, you read Sapiens? Yeah, huh. yeah. I audio booked it. Um, yeah. But I love that book. It divided the entire history of humanity into these big epics of like the cognitive revolution 70,000 years ago when we were figuring out language and Mm -hmm. out competing the other, you know, caveman like Homo erectus and Homo habilis and Neanderthals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Then the agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago, and then the scientific revolution. And it's such a view of history and humans. You're like, mind blown yeah the, the way he put it is just something so special yeah. about that it's just so like done for for me at least like for someone who has not like no foundational knowledge about this like it was just so clear yeah and he I made a nice yeah. story out of it like very nice like, story yeah. very clear nice. story and homo Deus is actually what might happen after right like i don't know like centuries after this <laughs> and um, i mean i didn't enjoy homo Deus as as much as uh sapiens, homo sapiens yeah. but it's definitely and I think he has a new book out called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I haven't I have, checked I haven't it out yet. It. I haven't read mm-hmm. it either. Uh, for movies, um, <clears throat> I'm not a big movie person, to be honest, um, except for what was that cake show? That, uh, <laughs> it's not a movie, I guess, but <laughs> I last time I checked I'm not a fan of movies except like, for that, was that cake, cake show. show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, give me a TV show too. Like, yeah, no. Don't feel pressured. Um, yeah, these, well, are just, these are just prompt questions. Say whatever yeah. the hell yeah. comes to your mind. Recently, I loved, uh, I really enjoyed watching poker. That was very interesting. I mean, I poker, poker. Is that a movie? Isn't that TV show, movie, or or the game poker? Wasn't it poker? Joker. Did I say poker? Oh. <laughs> poker. <laughs> Joker. Poker. Joker. Joker. Yeah, they're very yeah. Similar. like the new Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, okay. we haven't watched it yet. I know. We like. I love the concept too. of the Joker as like a character. It's such a yeah. You know, like the idea of someone that you can't reason with they're just a chaos machine oh yeah yeah. nobody can play the joker better than uh what's his name in the dark knight um heath ledger heath ledger that was the most disturbing actor role i've ever witnessed i I mean he got messed up from preparing for that you could say he died from that role pretty much i don't know if that's 100 percent accurate to say that we wouldn't know but like i mean yeah. There, he he seemed to go to the dark places that one would have to go to play the Joker well, right? Yeah, exactly. He just had that look in his eye, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, somebody put uh, I forget what it was, but it may have been like some audio of Alan Watts, the philosopher, like talking to scenes of the Dark Knight. He was talking about like mm-hmm. the Joker character. I think it was Alan Watts. Um, yeah, I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also another movie, uh, Two Popes. Um, that was heard of that, that was really nice too. It. it was a nice story, nice. Um, like focusing on friendship and and religion. That was an interesting movie. Sorry, no <laughs> poker. I said poker. That was hilarious. That's hilarious. I don't know. It's like yeah, so but controversial here. It's <laughs> very easy in in a second language to say things with. In other words, like if I said poker, I would never confuse poker with Joker. But like I confuse I mean, cucumber with. I I always say salata look instead of sata look. Cucumber with for sale. Yeah, sata look is on sale. Salata oh. look is cucumber. Yeah. Or are you confuse with the moon? Oh the yeah, words moon and bear. The moon is I, bear is ayu. Oh. So I'm always like bak chokuzal bir ayu, and I oh. point like, what to a the beautiful sky. bear. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but yeah, that's yeah. All right, last one. What's what's the time you can remember laughing the hardest? 
<laughs> two hours ago. We <laughs> <laughs> were recording oh the market. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last time actually we hard. We we laughed so hard. But like, what was the time? A time, like one time that you laughed the hardest in your life. You know, you when you're remember. just like your your you like stomach breathe. hurts and you're just like, yeah. like just so many, so, so many. many that we, you're, you're you're a laugher. There are some I'm people that like laugh mm -hmm. twice in their whole life. You know? Oh my god, yeah, he definitely is. A yeah, great. I laugh a lot. I actually laugh at really small things too, which is a little weird sometimes. <laughs> Better um, to be that way than to just be like too stiff. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's certain some like certain some like embarrassing mo like moments that I had um, I from laughing in inappropriate time. You mean? Oh no no no! Like just the cause of laughter that caused the laughter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't. I'm so I don't remember. I mean, it's okay. It's such a tough question. Anyway. Yeah, it's actually. Can I replace tough. this question with another question then? I guess so. Okay, then that will be our last question. Okay, this is like actually it's your question, but I'm gonna read it. Oh. So mm -hmm. without getting in trouble, naming names or anything. What is the craziest thing you've ever witnessed in playing a concert? <laughs> playing a concert? Right, me. Like, I'm playing a concert. Yeah, you're playing a concert. You're participating in a concert. What's the craziest thing that happens? crazy happens, and you're like, I can't believe we're having this right now. I mean, I already have a story that we yeah, <laughs> share, but, like, share that, that story moment, together. but I don't know. Um, that was the craziest. Maybe there's something else. Um, that was definitely the most recent one I had. Um, you don't have to tell it. Yeah, I think it's better. <laughs> I think if you tell that one, it's going to be too revealing, right? That's true, yeah. And maybe too mean. Yeah, it as will be. Crazy That's as true, yeah. Let's just yeah keep thought. it to ourselves. Um, well, there, there were, <laughs> there were <moments laughs> Okay, can we just cut had, this part? Let's pretend like I didn't ask this question. No, I had actually my own performance once. It was very embarrassing. I was like, I, I'm just, like, I, I just don't want to exist right now. that. <laughs> I didn't actually, that was really weird enough. I didn't know that was a, you know, weird gesture I was doing. No, anyways, Yanka it, just did the SpongeBob. What is it? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, that's a whole completely different thing. Imagination thing. But I did, we were watching Emma's old videos and then like we started dying, cracking up from his like body language, like young Emre, like, you yeah, know. Right before tutis. Yeah. He was just like acting like an opera singer with his body, like on tutis, just like, yeah. we're just like yeah, laughing. Yeah, was in a past podcast and you just like visually show that. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Yanka's yeah, like, I wonder why people are confused as she does like Spongebob yes. sign language or whatever okay. that was. So one, yeah, one performance of mine, like I was playing Prokofiev Concerto and um, second movement. Um, at the end of second, it's really fast. Oh, very one. fast, and then the ending of like I was playing with orchestra, and ending of that um, that movement, there is a there's like a really I don't know ten second like break from like solo part, like the tutti uh, section, and you that's like only time you can put on the mute or you put on the mute before you start the second movement. For some reason, you know, nerves and everything, like I forgot to put on the mute. <laughs> before the movement started. Mm -hmm. So it was actually in my pocket. Crazy. By and the way, a mute is this little like um, thing, black thing that <laughs> yeah. you put on, on the strings and it changes the, the tone quality. Of yeah, the <laughs> yeah, and it makes it quieter. Um, so yeah, I played a second, I started the second movement and I was like, oh my God, the mute is not on. And and then we came to that moment, like 10 second, you know, break from the solo part. That moment I just like reached my pocket and I tried to take it out, but it just fell and into the audience section. And then I was like, uh, try to like take it from like that, you know, stage part. I don't know, I can't really tell where, where it is. Well, it's just, I, it was just like, I was leaning down and like trying to take the mute, but it didn't happen. And I was almost gonna lose my, you know, entrance. time, oh my, my entrance. 
And then I played that last two lines without the mute, but it was just everyone, everyone was laughing. It was just so <laughs> funny. I was like, this is so embarrassing. Why did I experience this? And one time my shoulder rest fell. Oh, classic. Lalo, I was playing Lalo Sinfonia Espanol. Um, and then you're like, dum, bum, ba, da, 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 and just entrance, only solo. And then there's orchestra, that part. My shoulder rest just fell, and I was like, oh gosh, it's broken. What am I going to do? And like, I played the entire concerto without. Uh, without Actually, that's a rest. pretty big adjustment. I yeah. mean, people play without shoulder rest, but it they was, they're adjusted to it. Like they, it was so yeah. out of tune. It was so so out of tune, and I cried after the performance. I actually <laughs> cried, uh, but you know, it was all. Uh, I mean, I didn't laugh. It was <laughs> it was a cause of laughter, definitely. But yeah, I was I questioned my existence at that point and my life choices. Yes. Oh my God. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. It was it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for putting. We'll me link. Me. Uh, send me the videos you want me to put in the episode notes. You can choose the good ones. Oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, those experiences, they're like off the record. They're, I don't have the recordings of. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Kodawari. If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.